You're about to hear the 3CR Community Radio podcast of Encyclopedia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. My name is Nick, and this is in Psychedelia. I hope you're enjoying your uh, lovely Sunday afternoon. Uh, thank you to Freedom of Species. They will be back from 1 p.m. next week on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM Digital, and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And if you head along to uh, the website, make sure you uh, find our program page. The Encyclopedia program page has links to us on Facebook, Twitter, and also to our website where you can get in touch with us. Uh, during the show, we do discuss a wide variety of issues around drugs. We neither condone nor condemn the use, and we aren't here to talk about abstinence nor recommend that you commit a crime. Those decisions are yours. But I hope that we give you something, uh, some information, where you can... Uh, uh, get get something out of it, whether it's um, an interest or a perspective, a different perspective on things. And coming up on today's show, we will be covering a little bit about what's been going on with Victoria and medical uh, marijuana. We'll be catching up with Australian Sex Party President and Member of the Legislative Council, Fiona Patton. We're also catching up with uh, Tony Bauer from Mulloways, who has been uh, uh, creating some um, elixirs, cannabis elixirs, uh, perhaps is, is a, a correct term, uh, medical cannabis oils that uh, have been used in treatment and also catching up with uh, Lucy Haslam. No, not Lucy Haslam. We'll be catching up with... Abby <laughs> Batten. She's the, um, she's the mother of young Cooper that uh, got a bit of media uh, last year when they came out saying that they were treating his um, uh, conditions with medical cannabis and all kinds of horrible things happened with the DHS and the police and it took a little while to figure out what the law was going to do. So we'll be finding out uh, on the really cutting-edge stories, I suppose, with medical cannabis now before Parliament uh, and with a decision expected by the end of this year on the legislative front. That's all coming up on Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia News of the Week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use, even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or, or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems a law and order issue rather than a, a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. At first from Yahoo News this week, and this one has been reported in a few other outlets as well. Uh, there's a there's a few mothers, and there's there's nothing like an outraged mother 
who are outraged at a what what they're calling is a, a marijuana soft drink. Um, the soft drink in question does apparently contain uh, some um, uh, hemp material, but there is absolutely no THC in it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to be sold at all in the first place. But it seems like they're more worried about the picture on the can and worried uh, about the what, what they're calling a normalization process. And uh, I'll just, just remind you on a couple of figures here. One in 10 Australians, one in 10 of us, so that's going to any room and there's probably more than, if there's more than 10 people, one of them is a regular cannabis smoker. And one in three, one in three Australians have tried cannabis in their life. Uh, the decision of what is normal and what is not is not left up to bureaucracies or outraged mothers. Uh, there were a few articles this week uh, on the medicinal cannabis issue, which we'll be talking a lot about in this show. So I won't talk too much about those, but The Age did publish a um, uh, an article and a quote from that is, it should be noted that Dr. Freckleton recognises cannabis is not a medical panacea. It is not a, med- a miracle cure, as some wildly optimistic advocates suggest. But when administered as an edible oil, it has been used with some success in easing the frequent and devastating seizures experienced by children with chronic epilepsy and alleviating muscle spasms related to multiple sclerosis. Others say it relieves their chronic serious pain. And we will be talking a bit about that uh, a bit later on in the program. Uh, Greg Denham from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition uh, penned a piece for The Age this week saying there's a strong demand for drugs in Australia. We are an affluent society and we like to enjoy ourselves. This may come as a shock to many people, except the third of the population who have used an illicit substance, but most people use illicit drugs because they enjoy them. Yes, drug use is functional, and Greg there has uh, uh, written fun, as in capital letters, for many. And he also goes on to say it's highly unlikely that drug use, even recreational use, will ever be eliminated. Nearly every society throughout history has used drugs. Drugs are here to stay. And uh, you can find that article on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash npsychedelia. Also this week uh, from gq.com.au, there was a piece from... uh, Friend of the show, Andrew McMillan. He's the author of Talking Smack. It's a story, uh, a book that looks into a few of Australia's um, um, musicians and their drug habits. And a quote from Alex Wodak in that article, how we could all benefit from cannabis regulation. Uh, It goes like this. Criminals are a problem as are corrupt police. Reducing the extent of corruption is a great benefit of taxing and regulating cannabis. Having fewer or no corrupt police is an important objective. Which Australian wouldn't support that? How could we ever hope to achieve that, though, when we have such a large market controlled by criminals and corrupt police? And that's from the GQ.com.au article with uh, Alex Wodak. A few more articles on there, but we are uh, pushing time today. We've got a lot coming up in the program. We will be catching up with uh, Cassie Button, a uh, mother who administered medical cannabis tinctures to her child who has had uh, serious epileptic seizures and now is uh, not cured but certainly not having the amount of seizures he once did. We're also going to be catching up with a member of the Legislative Council and Australian Sex Party President Fiona Patton uh, about the Victorian Law Reform Commission report into medical cannabis and also speaking with Tony Bauer of Mulloways, a uh, producer of medical cannabis tincture, uh, which has been saving children across Australia. That's all coming up in, in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio. 
This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. This is in Psychedelia. My name is Nick and Ash is also with us. Hey guys, and uh, joining us this afternoon is Tony Bauer from Mulloway's Medical Cannabis, uh, supplier of cannabis tinctures. Hey you go. So I guess, you know, one thing that I'd like to know is how did you come to be producing medical cannabis uh, for, for people in Australia? Was it something that you'd read about overseas, medical use of cannabis, or something that you'd found out through different communities? How, how did you find yourself in that position? Uh, well, from my own uh, use, I had a bad bike accident, um, you know, 30 years ago or more. And uh, the drugs, that um, pharmaceutical drugs, uh, the doctors basically told me that um, they were going to kill me. So um, uh, I, because I used to use um, cannabis and grow it, um, I just researched it. Um, I had friends that helped me and um, basically got to the position where I am now. I found that um, I could extract different parts of it that... Um, were for medical use uh, were really good and they didn't actually give you the psychotropic um, part so people didn't get stoned off it no dinner yeah and and how did the people that you've been helping how did they find you how, how did you connect with people that that needed the the cannabis to treat various medical conditions um, about a bit over seven years ago um, I wrote to the government and everything and told them I was in the, this position. Uh, I'm an Indigenous Australian, so um, I can't refuse people that need my help. And um, I wrote to the government and told them that. So, um, And they basically said, I need to go through TGA, um, do all this stuff. Well, um, I'd done all that. I went through the TGA and... Um, done everything that was necessary but New South Wales government wouldn't let me move any further than I have right. um, to date. Yeah. And you also got into some trouble with the law over the last couple of years? You were, you were charged, were you? Yeah, I've had a couple of crops taken over the last few years, about four years or something. But, um, you know, they don't um, take the medicine or anything, you know. There's no real problem with what I do with the police you know they get told um, what to do the same as everybody else and it's just unfortunate that um, the health minister here in New South Wales um, doesn't agree with medical cannabis so, you know, yeah. I've had to put up with that you know. yeah yeah I've read um, some of your submissions to the various inquiry inquiries they they're quite comprehensive um, yeah what do you think about the the Victorian legislative reform? How would you um, how would well, you rate the the way that they're kind of going about it down here? Uh, you know, it, it's you know anybody would say it's slow. Um, uh, you know, because people are suffering, and we know what's happening to the kids and everything all the time. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely slow, but um, it does give us somewhere to to work with and to do something. So, um, you know, I'm happy to see any kind of movement at all because, um, you know, there's just so many people there. Um, I have a waiting list of over 15,000 people or something, you know, so... 15,000? i like things move, you know. Yep. And do you think there's an opportunity within the, the way that Victoria's doing it that you might be able to uh, continue to supply those people? Oh, I 
have no doubt. Um, basically, the price they put on what the government can afford, um, how they want to do it. Um, I think they've written everybody else out, bar for Mulloways, you know, um, because we're the only ones that's actually what we put into the submissions and everything and on prices that we can actually do it cheap. It's not a, you know... You're well, not, yeah, not in it for the money. Well, I'm not in it for the money. And, and uh, the government um, puts $4,000 a kilo, uh, a pound on this stuff. It's not me. Uh, that's what the government charges people if they go to court. If they get caught by the police, that's what it costs them when they go to court. So it's the government that charges this uh, $4,000 a pound. It's not me. And I don't want to, you know, I, I don't see cannabis any different to a paddock of corn um, why should a cannabis grower get this massive amount of money for his crop uh, when a, a corn grower <laughs> only gets a certain amount for his you know we're using up the same paddock um, I don't see the difference here we just got to realize that this is just a plant it's not worth a massive amount of money um, it, it's just need, it, it needs people to grow it um, and people get employed by growing it. So that's basically your cost as far as cannabis, you know. You're listening to In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Right now we're speaking with uh, Tony Bauer of Mulloways about medical cannabis. I guess I'm curious about the, the learning process that you went through like in terms of learning how to further refine the medical cannabis, specifically around um, these issues with treatment-resistant epilepsy and that kind of thing? How, how did that come about where you kind of learnt to, to specifically cater uh, the medical use towards different things? Um, I actually discovered the medicine um, first. I, I was a, a grower. Um, I used to be a commercial grower on what... Um, I used to say was the other side of the law, but <laughs> some people say I haven't changed, you know. But um, I was a commercial grower, so I knew the plant uh, really well, um, better than 99.9% of people. Uh, uh, so uh, once I learned how to um, extract different things, uh, what the science knew, um, it wasn't that hard, basically. Um, you know, scientists only do what they uh, can get the money to do. Um, I, you know, uh, didn't have to put up with anything like that. I got to do whatever I liked because um, I'd just done it anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, you know. So um, I got to find out a lot of things um, by research and science and then doing things myself. And we've been able to get quite a few tests done now over the years. So um, I understand, like I say, I understand the plant. Um, so the science part of it isn't that hard. There's a lot of papers out there, um, you know. You've yeah. just got to read them. I, I think it shows in the submissions that Mulloways has made to the various uh, inquiries. There was, there was reference to your submission in particular uh, within various statements of the Victorian Law Reform Commission report. And how's your relationship with the, the law right now? Um, obviously, by the sounds of it, you're still continuing to produce the medicine for, for the people that you've got uh, currently on your list. Yeah, I have about 130 
families and that. Yeah, some of them have two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah oh well, you know, um, I don't know. You'd have to ask them, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to be leaving you alone for the for the time being. Well, do they? you know, the whole thing is that I have to do what I do. I don't have an option. You yeah. know, um, I can stop doing it, and the kids will die, and then. Um, yeah, what's the people out there going to think of me then, you know? Um, and the whole thing is that, um, you know, the government doesn't care about these people or all the kids. So, you know, they're talking about 2017 now. But, um, what's going to happen to these people now, you know? Seems... Currently in Victoria, I think I have about uh, 45 children. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens to them? Yeah. Until now, uh, from now to then, what happens to them if something happens to me? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, you know, uh, it's nobody. Uh, the Premier here in New South Wales over a year ago went up to the family out in Tamworth <coughs> and told them it was all right to manufacture oils, do whatever they like, and the police would stay away from them. Uh, at no time has he come next to me um, to say, you know, look, Julie, or to me wife, and say, look, you know, we're going to keep the police away and we'll make sure your husband doesn't have to go to jail again for helping children. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's, we have this system that, um, uh, <laughs> you know, it uh, seems, you probably understand it like I do, you know. It seems like they are more concerned with... Um, this abstract notion of messaging and sending the right message to people because we wouldn't want to normalise something like cannabis, the evil cannabis. It's almost like reefer madness is still playing on a loop in the back of some of these people's minds and they just can't, they can't shake it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I used to think that. Um, now, um, I don't, you know, it is just, we all, all the politicians talk about how it needs to be changed and how these people are suffering. Uh, nobody does anything. Um, I've I got nothing else to say, but um, they're being paid off by the drug companies. They're corrupt as buggery. You know, we all know that. Um, it, it's just that this word just gets thrown around so much that it gets... Um, you know, nobody has any... If I say to somebody, oh, they're, they're corrupt, it's just... It, blows over their head and so well so what so is everybody else <laughs> you know and um, that's our system it's unfortunate for the people that are suffering but uh, that's our system uh well we've been talking today with tony bauer from mulloway's medical cannabis um thanks for taking the time to talk to us today tony and and good luck in the future and i guess no on worries, behalf for all those kids out there thanks for keeping them alive Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org.au. Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. 
This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au where you can visit the Encyclopedia program page, head along to us on Facebook or Twitter and find out some of the other stuff we've been posting about. But today uh, we're talking medical cannabis and right now we've got member of the Legislative Council and President of the Australian Sex Party, I, I believe, uh, Fiona Patton. Welcome. Thank you, Nick. Happy birthday. Hello, Ash. Hi. You busted me. Is it your Thanks. birthday? <laughs> no, yeah, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Fiona, uh, we've just had the Victorian Law, Refition, uh, Law Reform Commission report uh, come out um, with uh, 42 recommendations of which the government has uh, said that they, they will accept uh, 40, and they've said that by the end of this year there will be legislation introduced to Parliament to legalise medical cannabis. How's your... uh, How do you feel the process has been so far? Look, it's it's been a very timid process, I would have to say. Uh, But it is definitely a step in the right direction. I I think... um, I think... The, the Victorian Law Reform Commission has been in very conservative. I think they could have they could have taken it a bit further, but they haven't. Uh, and we'll have to see how um, in, in, how the legislation, I guess, is interpreted, or how the recommendations are interpreted into legislation. I think one of the the more unique things about this is that we're going to be the first people who will be allowed medical cannabis will be children, which is generally the last people who are allowed a new drug uh, in uh, in other jurisdictions. We just had a chat with uh, with Tony Bauer, who was saying um, uh, that well, one of his concerns was that the Victorian government has been saying that it's unlikely the scheme will be up until 2017, which leaves a lurch period of approximately 12 months where people will still have to uh, be accessing an illegal drug to treat uh, their children. Do you know if... Um, and I know the police have uh, been a little bit... Um, backward and forward with this issue, um, with charging people, do you know if there's going to be an interim period of um, pardons or anything like that? Well, I hope so. I actually raised this in Parliament last week and asked that exact question of the Attorney-General and the Minister of Police, that will they, um, A, decriminalise the possession and use of of medicinal marijuana for people that would qualify, you know, so if they qualify under the recommendations of the VLRC's report, and in particular, the parents who are um, providing this life-saving substance to to their children. I'm yet to receive a response from them. I did ask them the same question a few months ago, and they said, oh, well, we don't want to preempt the report. So I've asked them again, I would hope that we would see decriminalisation for personal use and possession for medical purposes. And any of that, you know, I would, you know, I, d- despite my own personal feelings about this or our party's feelings, if that person had, you know, uh, severe pain from HIV and AIDS, severe pain from cancer, severe pain from, um, uh, or severe nausea from cancer or any of those listed um, ailments, then I think the police should just go, right, this person should be able to have it. The government has said they will be able to have it and now we're just waiting for the public servants to get the paperwork in play. 
You said that you uh, think the Victorian Law Reform Commission has been rather conservative in its approach uh, with medical cannabis. If if you had of um, if you and, and the Australian Sex Party had managed to get the policy, where where would have you taken it? Um, what do you, what elements were too conservative? Do you think? I think I think one is probably personal um, personal cultivation. I think that we we should accept that people should be allowed to grow their own. Uh, I, I, I accept the fact that if we're looking at distribution and looking at commercial distribution, or yeah, or looking at any form of distribution, then I accept that governments want to to regulate that, and they and I agree that we really need to separate this from recreational use for for now. But I agree that this needs to be treated quite differently. I would have. Treated the, um, I would have made it available to more people. I think there is ample evidence to say that uh, people with pain, people with glaucoma, people with arthritis, people with Parkinson's, there are a whole range of other um, illnesses that we know that medicinal marijuana um, can can help. Just just so, on that. Um Fiona, on, on my yes, reading yes. of the Law Reform Commission's report, it did seem like they put in a little bit of wriggle room around those issues, yeah. uh, around the, the um, compassionate use grounds. They, they specifically sort of had a section in there referring that they did want to leave the application of medicine within the hands of clinicians. So there's a little bit of wriggle room between doctors and their patients maybe where they... You know, what yes, What do you think of that? Do you think that that's something that will likely get through the government and just maybe provide that opportunity for those other uses to be available? I hope so, Ash. I hope we do make it, as, we make it as flexible as possible. I mean, the other, the other problem, and we've, we've seen this, I mean, this, this, these recommendations are what Canada did in the first round of legalising medicinal marijuana. They're now in the fifth round of legalising. <laughs> so we, we probably should have learned from their mistakes and looked at why they no longer use this model. I'm concerned that we need... that a doctor has to prescribe it. And we know that the AMA, for example, has been very resistant to this. You know, they want this product um, packaged by a big pharmaceutical company registered by the TGA and then they'll feel safe prescribing it. So now you've got doctors having to prescribe something that they're not necessarily comfortable with. My preferred option would be for a doctor to say, this person has this illness. And then with that certificate, that person could then go to a distributor and access the product. So a little bit more like uh, aspirin or something for relief of various conditions yeah a little bit more but but also regulated to say that the doctor had to acknowledge that you had a symptom that could be alleviated by this so you still would need doctor involvement but having it that the doctor actually has to prescribe it and i think we'll find that a lot of doctors are very resistant to doing that and then once it's been prescribed you then have to buy it from a chemist and I appreciate that the Law Reform Commission was trying to make this as mainstream as possible. I I don't think... I think this model has been tried and has failed, so I, I, I hope that in the next couple of months while we're developing legislation, we can tweak 
tweak this and and take a slightly more common sense approach to some of of these areas and trying to keep i guess to say the the objective of the recommendations but tweak it so it's actually more possible that it will be successful because the economics of it right now just don't stack up uh, with the system they've got in place. Um, you know, we know Tony Bauer is offering relief and offering product to a wide range of people for an incredibly small amount of money or no money. And they're trying to look at a commercial way of doing that and then creating this huge legislative framework and this huge amount of red tape and licensing that is going to cost a lot of money to manage. Exactly. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. This is in Psychedelia, and right now we're speaking uh, with member of the Victorian Legislative Council and president of the Australian Sex Party, Fiona Patton. And uh, Fiona, I mean, now with medical cannabis, I know that the Australian Sex Party has policies on uh, recreational cannabis, uh, both mm. in the decriminalisation and legalisation realm. Uh, in the year 2000, that was when Colorado uh, first legalised uh, medical uh, cannabis, and I believe it was either 2012 or 2013 when they uh, first legalised recreational cannabis. Do you see this as uh, something that is going to open up the discussions around what we're doing currently with prohibiting cannabis and potentially moving away from that system? Look, I, 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 I truly hope so, Nick. And I, you know, I've, I guess, kind of, we've looked at the models overseas and we've looked at that sort of, you know, legalised medicinal marijuana and then that opens the door to legalising marijuana for recreational purposes. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't see that connection. I just think we, you know, we should have been able to do both at the same time yeah. uh, or we should have, you know, we can, we can do both and they shouldn't necessarily be related. However, history tells us that they are. So in countries that have legalised medicinal it, they seem to find it more easy to move to legalising it from a recreational purpose. I, I would hope that this does open the door for us to, to look at much great, grander and greater areas of uh, drug law reform. I, sadly, I'm probably not holding my breath. And I don't want to, I don't want to jeopardise medicinal, cannab- medicinal cannabis or medicinal marijuana um, for pushing an argument on recreational at the moment. Mm, I feel like we need to let medicinal marijuana really happen. Absolutely. I think um, some some people uh, might, might be concerned, some people that are still for prohibition and still worried about uh, what a mm. recreational market for something like cannabis could mean, worry that med- medical cannabis is almost like the gateway law <laughs> um, to recreational cannabis. But the two are separate. It's just that finally okay. we might be able to have sensible discussions around this substance yeah. rather than something uh, rather than discussions which are marred in myth and prejudice and stigma so maybe it, it just opens the door for all of us to be able to have a more sensible discussion I think you're absolutely right and I think that, that is actually one of the highlights of the Law Reform Commission's uh, report and I'd, in, I'd encourage all of the listeners to, to, to have a look at it, get it online and, and download it or read it online. We'll post but a link. One of the things that, yeah, great. Because um, one of the things, it does talk about the harms of marijuana. And 
it it it's it's pretty good about those <laughs> lack of harms and so it doesn't tell this nightmare story that we usually hear from the prohibitionists that you know one puff and you're injecting heroin uh this it is a very moderate response i think it it's based it provides a lot of evidence um and research and is evidence and research based uh which is unusual for any form of drug policy uh but it is it is evidence based and it looks at um the the myths i guess around around um cannabis use and i think it deals with them very well so i think this this is one of the highlights of this is that it you know it does say look people aren't going to die from smoking cannabis exactly um i th- i think the point you made earlier about um the states in the us in particular that have have uh, had a legal medical market, cannabis market mm. for a while and have moved to recreation. It's very um, current right now. Oregon have just uh, licensed their medical dispensaries to start selling uh, recreational cannabis, which is a little yeah. bit ahead of schedule because they were still ironing out the um, the details of their, their legal regulated market. Mm. And um, it, it was just a lot simpler to go with the infrastructure that already existed. Right, and I, I, this is—I mean—that—that's sort of another one of my concerns about this going through um, pharmacies. Uh, in the first instance, I—I I, I don't think that's worked anywhere else in the world. Nobody else, nowhere else in the world, has gone down a pharmacy model. So I'm—I'm I'm concerned about that, and I think we may—I would hope we may see that slightly relaxed, and we might see um, operators who are licensed to distribute these products licensed and educated and trained to, to distribute these products. But, yeah, that's, you know, you create this kind of great licensed, regulated system and you can expand it out. And, you know, obviously there's lots of conversations about what's medicinal and what's recreational and, you know, if something gives you a sense of well-being or makes you feel better or happier, um, is that medicinal or recreational? It's a discussion that I suspect we're going to be having over this uh, period of discussion and over the period of the uh, writing of the legislation. Fiona, uh, thank you for coming on in Psychedelia, and I I hope we can get you back on once there is a piece of law before the government. I am looking forward to it. Have a great birthday, Nick. (laughs) Thanks, Fiona. (laughs) This is 3CR. Thanks, Ed. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. My name is Nick. Uh, this is uh, in Psychedelia, and we've been talking medical cannabis today. We have uh, uh, spoken with Tony Bauer of Mulloways, who makes medical cannabis tinctures. We've spoken with Fiona Patton of the Victorian Legislative uh, Council about the recent Victorian Law Reform Commission report into medical cannabis. And now we're speaking with uh, Cassie Batten, and I'll let Ash, you uh, take it from here. Uh, yeah, we're speaking with Cassie Batten today. Um, she was in the media, you might recognise her name from the, the media and her son Cooper, that um, they, they were one of the people that came out and, and spoke about medical cannabis when it started to enter the mainstream media uh, last year. So, um, hi Cassie, um, uh, can, can you maybe... Tell us a little bit about how you came to, to be using medical cannabis. It's, it's not something that, you know, your average person would come across in the medical cabinet. So, so what happened? How did you come to be in that position? Um, 
we initially heard of it through other families through palliative care program. Um, we then researched into it ourselves. This was when Cooper was only about eight months old, approximately. Um, he first got sick at five weeks old, so we'd had months already of illness and hospital admissions, ICU admissions in that time. Um, thousands of seizures, obviously, during that time as well. And we we just watched him deteriorate. Um, and at two and a half, we were left with no other options. We had to try something and we were desperate to try anything. And that's when we said, well, this is the one thing we haven't tried, so let's try it. And this was in consultation with the clinician, was it? The, the Initially, Cooper's? no. We gave it ourselves and we told his doctor... Approximately, we did discuss it with his doctors and then we administered ourselves for about six weeks before we told his doctors. Um, And they were asking questions saying, why is he looking so great? And that's when I turned around and said, remember what I discussed last appointment? And I said, yes. And I said, well, that's what we've been doing. And they said, well, it's obviously working for him. Were they surprised by that? They were, yes. Um, Clinically, they still can't say it is due to this alone. But since then, he's come off 12 pharmaceutical medications for seizures. He has only had, I think, three ambulance call-outs since, um, only one needing resuscitation, whereas previously it was a few times a week. Wow. Mm. Um, and, and then after that, the going forward from there, the cannabis was uh, administered by the, the doctor, was it? They tried to monitor it to, to keep it, track of what was going on? It was monitored by them. Um, it was also administered by nursing staff when he was in hospital. It was documented in hospital on his medical records. That was a bit of a new thing for the doctors, was it? It was, yes. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So then what happened when you spoke out on the issue and, and maybe what sort of inspired you to speak out and... and you know, sort of put yourself out there at risk of, of basically what happened? We we saw the results that we had and we just felt not enough people were aware of it. So more about bringing awareness to other people and maybe, you know, leading other families that were in the same situation at risk of losing their children to illness. Um, they might either have extra time or give them the quality of life that we now have. Yeah. And um, so what happened then? You, you had some pretty nasty interactions with various government organisations. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's fine. Um, we did two major interviews initially, um, and I think it was about five weeks after we did one with the Seven Network, and we woke up early in the morning to knock at the door. There was three detectives from the... Um, soccer unit, surprisingly. It's a um, sexual offence and child abuse unit. Um, They had a search warrant and they said, you know, we're here about the cannabis. You can either show us where it is or we can use the warrant. We happily showed them where it was. Um, We told them that his doctors were aware of it. And then they said they went through all of it. They took photos. They took the medication um, obviously got details of all of our children, names, date of births, etc. Um, I was aware of what that was about because I, I've got a background. I worked in child protection, so right. I knew the new drill. Um, then they advised us that we had to be down at the station within a few hours. Um, 
I then straight away got onto the media. One of them offered free solicitor, so made sure that we had that ready, obviously got babysitters ready, and then we went down to the station. And how did that go? Um, very degrading. Yeah. To, to be um, treated like a criminal for basically saving your son's life? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how nice anyone is about it. I mean, the police were polite and nice about it. They did everything, you know, according to the books. But it's never nice to be in that position, um, you know, to get fingerprinted, have your mugshot taken, yeah. for giving your child a medication that has saved their life, particularly when I was 36 weeks pregnant. Yeah, and and then the Department of Human Services got involved as well? Yes, they made contact within days, uh, wanting interviews and wanting to meet Cooper, and I said I was happy to, but I would only go with legal advice. Um, by that stage, I was in and out of hospital with high blood pressure due to the stress. Yeah, it's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't stop them, they still continued to ring me while I was in hospital. Yeah, I did read that in in the media. Did, yeah. did, and was that resolved like quite quickly? Did they realise you know, um, that, that we they weren't actually them. helping anyone? We met with them, I think it was about three weeks later, and that was just our choice. We just said, we're happy to meet with you, but it's on our terms. Um, when I was healthy enough to, it was after I'd had baby, and... We waited two weeks, and then we went down. We had a meeting on mutual grounds. We took our legal legal rep with us. Um, by that stage, they'd obviously spoken to Cooper's doctors, as had the police. Um, and I, I honestly believe if they had have done that phone call to his doctors, to his medical team first, this whole thing would never have happened. Right, so a little but bit of a in, bureaucratic mess up there, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah. But in hindsight, if it hadn't have happened it probably wouldn't be in the position it is now. Right. So, in a way, it's good. Yeah. You know, positive has come out of it, and I like to look at it like that. I don't like to be negative. I like to look at it as a positive. And, and what do you think about the things that are currently before the Victorian Parliament in terms of the reforms? I think good things can come out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's time that it gets treated like a medication. That's what it is. We get all of our other medications from a pharmacy. That's what we should do with this. Yeah, right. Um, and, and how's the family doing now? How's Cooper? Oh, he's great. <laughs> he's um, pulling himself up to stand. We're hoping to get him walking soon. That's what the rehab team are hoping for, so fingers crossed. Excellent. Fantastic news. Um, Cassie, thanks for uh, joining us on In Psychedelia and uh, just telling us a little bit about what's what's been happening. And uh, we hope that... Uh, that there is some legislative reform so that there isn't the kind of thing that you've had to go through for other parents. Thank you. Thanks. Th- thanks for talking, us t- talking with us today, Cassie. No worries. Anytime. <laughs> this is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, and what, what stays in the ad breaks, you know, stays in the ad break. <laughs> Digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This is in Psychedelia. And while you're on the 3CR website, head along to uh, our Facebook and... Uh, sorry, to head along to the in Psychedelia program page where you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and also our website where you can uh, get in touch with us. Uh, do feel free to send us an email with your comments, your complaints, your contributions, anything that you might uh, have to say. Um, we're especially looking for people of a musical or... 
artistic bent to uh, to send us some things and extend that content beyond uh, uh, beyond just the interviews today. And and thank you to all the people that we have spoken to today: Tony Bauer, Fiona Patton, uh, Tony Bauer of Malloways, uh, Fiona Patton of the Victorian Legislative Council and Australian Sex Party, and Cassie Batten uh, from uh, well, she's a mother, <laughs> <laughs> caring mother and uh, user of medical cannabis for her son. And it has been um, an interesting discussion today. I, I mean, medical cannabis, uh, by what Fiona was saying, it sounds like it's probably going to be, um, this is only the beginning. And it's 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 the end of one road, but the beginning of another very long and yeah, windy I road. For people like us that were involved in the broader drug law reform movement before the issue of medical cannabis came on the agenda, it was amazing to see how quickly it shifted, not just for the issue of drug law reform, but for politics in general. Like, politicians changed their mind, changed their mind quite quickly and acted on it, and that was really encouraging. I think it's been pretty much over the past year. I'd have to look at a timeline of events or something, but um, all of this has happened very quickly, considering there has been evidence of the... Uh, medical applications of cannabis since about the 1970s now and there are literally thousands of research pieces out there across the world not not just specifically done in australia but thousands which is uh which is why it's important for people that use drugs in different ways whether that's clinically or recreationally to tell their stories because we should be informed by what's actually happening in the world and and the the realities and evidence behind different substances and different policies. And it's definitely important to remember that um, uh, although uh, some people would like to frame the drug use of uh, people that use drugs as purely hedonistic and immoral, a lot of the time people have ulterior motives and those ulterior motives are usually revolving around some kind of self-improvement, whether it's uh, uh, self-improvement through um, analysis of one's mind state using certain psychedelic substances um, for uh, what might be called spiritual or religious purposes or using um, uh, things like MDMA or, or cannabis for the treatment of um, of uh, trauma or stress in one's life, which uh, a lot of us have that. Let's, let's not you know, kid, kid around here. Not not every, everyone's got something uh, going that that's happened in their life that they could probably um, use uh, s- find some way to deal with. And I'm not suggesting here that uh, drugs are the way. I think there are, there's a lot of a uh, lot of good to be said of um, psychotherapy over the years. And for those inclined, even uh, self help or religion, uh, for those inclined, I'm not personally inclined to that. But uh, I know that it does help a lot of people. There are all sorts of ways that people uh, can be helped by all sorts of things. Yeah, I think uh, next week we'll probably talk a bit about the Canadian Medical Journal uh, special focus on psychedelics in medicine. That sounds like a very good idea, and we will be back from 2 o'clock next week on Sunday on 3CR. Queering the Air is up next, and uh, thank you again to everyone that has uh, been involved with the show today. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the In Psychedelia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. In Psychedelia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. 
If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, Direct Line provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. And Psychedelia will be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to In Psychedelia, a 3CR community radio podcast. For more information on anything you've heard in this program, head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the In Psychedelia program page.